don't aim to solve all the world's problems, but we do offer you peace of mind, hope, laughter, and ideas on how you can help improve circumstances and communities. Good change is for you. For us, we take to heart your concerns about anger, injustice, and helplessness, the pain that we each feel, and give you something better to witness, something better to believe in. In many ways, this podcast is the opposite of self-help. It's us help. We draw attention to kindness, to the better angels of our nature. We swap stories that bring smiles, deep breaths, inspiration, and ideas to help us evolve. We introduce you to people who are positively transforming lives, leaders of movements, or everyday heroes who are making change. Good change. Good change highlights the common ground we share, the unlimited positive impact of a single person, and the greater good. Welcome to Good Change, a podcast about making a world of difference. Please welcome your host and good change maker, Ken Streeter. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Good Change podcast. And today's guest is a remarkable human being. Her name is Astrid Furholt, and Astrid was the first woman to ever retrace the steps of Norwegian explorer Raoul Amundsen, and I hope I didn't mess that pronunciation up. Uh, Astrid went from being a river guide to a nurse to having somebody share their perspective on the importance of living your dream. Uh, she's presently working as a, a fitness and wellness coach advisor in Norway, it's our pleasure to introduce really a pioneer explorer and somebody who has found ways to make her dreams come true. Hi, Astrid. How are you? Hello, Ken. I'm fine. <laughs> Thank it's, you. It's, it's great nice to, to have you <laughs> And it's great to have you here. It's, it's um, 10 o'clock or so in the morning where I am. And what time is it where you are? Oh, it's uh, uh, about 6 o'clock in the evening. And, and where are you right now? Are you in Oslo or... Yeah, I'm close to Oslo. I live in Oslo, so I'm at my office at the moment. And that is just outside Oslo. <laughs> okay. So um, I was lucky enough when I was much younger, many moons ago, to spend a season, uh, maybe two, uh, as a river guide with Astrid in Norway. And that's where we met. And um, in the last... 15, 20 years, she's been doing things, 10, 15 years that uh, are absolutely remarkable compared to what most of us do. And we're, we're wanting to hear today, Astrid, your story about how you came to get to the South Pole and uh, what it was that propelled you and what it's meant for you since. So you, you were a river guide, then you became a nurse. And, and what did you do as, as a nurse? What was your job? Um. I was specialized in cancer, so I was working at a large hospital in Norway uh, about, uh, or with people that would have terrible pain and um, yeah, uh, people that could not uh, get the help that they needed at their, at their normal hospitals, so they sent them to us if, the, if it was really, really difficult to help them. And often that was uh, cancer patients, uh, um, yeah, that have only short time left to live. But we wanted to help them and try to make the life as good as possible at that stage also. 
And, and, and we have talked a little bit about this before, but you told me the story and I'd love for our listeners to hear it about a patient that you had that completely changed your life. Yeah, uh, it absolutely did. Um, I had a patient that was, yeah, he was in and out uh, at the hospital uh, with us for a few months. So, so I got to know him quite well. And we was we were talking one morning. Um, he just started to tell me about his um, his dreams, all the things that he he had um, had not done yet, or and all the things he was dreaming about. And he was also telling me the reasons why he didn't do anything about his dreams. Uh, and that was uh, quite hard to, to listen to because uh, that was uh, he didn't like things like he didn't believe in in himself and he um, was afraid for uh, what other people would say uh, if he was trying and didn't make it and and things that I could uh, kind of recognize uh, in my in myself. Um, and I think many of us are like that because we, we like to point fingers on each other and say, don't do that, don't do this. And yeah, you will never make it. And why do you want to try to do that? And in, in the end of the conversation, he said that, um, uh, Astrid, you have to live while you are alive. Uh, and it was, it was uh, those words, um, I couldn't really <laughs> let go of them. Then they kind of hit me hard in, in my heart. So, so I was yeah, thinking a lot about that. And I was trying to find out what am I doing with my life? <laughs> am I satisfied with the life I'm living? Uh, and it was... Yeah, I was kind of, kind of in the same situation as my patient and he was going to die and I was probably still going to live. <laughs> so I wanted to, to do something about it. And, and um, yeah, his words were uh, really something I wanted to listen to. So what, what did that mean? What, um, you, you, you said it hit you in the heart and you were working as a nurse in Norway with, in a job that provides very, very meaningful services to people, obviously, who are dying of cancer. So on, yeah. on some levels, people would say you had a pretty important and meaningful life at that point, but, but then things changed. Yeah, I had I had that, but um, it was also like when when you're working with that uh, <laughs> in a long time, you start to get really sad, and, and your smile disappear, your laughter disappear, and you're not happy anymore. You kind of uh, you can feel the pain that the patients have, and if you don't um, work through that after there will always come another one and a new, a new story that will hit you hard again and, and you kind of just fill up and you don't uh, filter out your own feelings. Uh, 
so, so you kind of yeah get really really sad <laughs> after a while and that was where i was so i just wanted to to try to do some changes and find out what what it should mean for me to live while i was alive mm. uh, what wanted uh, what did i want to do to to feel that i was alive again and for me that was um using the nature I love to be in the nature and I've always liked that a lot. And that gives me energy and just, just go for a walk, um, go for, for um, training trips outside and, and then go camping outside and hike in the mountains, climb, climb in the mountains. We have lots of beautiful mountains we can uh, use here in Norway. <laughs> so, so I was starting to do that and, and kind of, yeah, found a better way for myself by doing that. And then, and then you, because that was meaningful enough, did you feel like if I take this up to a new level and then another new level, will it provide even more meaning and more joy and reward in my life? Yeah, I was not thinking so much about that, but, but I wanted to challenge myself because it's, um, when you do something you really, really like uh, and kind of find your, um, <laughs> find your way in that, um, I think you want to, to develop, to get better. And, and um, uh, at one stage, a friend of mine asked me to go and cross the Greenland ice cap. And so... And that was something really new for me <laughs> to be out on, on cold trips like that. Uh, and I, I wanted to join that. And I, I put a lot of energy and training and work to, to manage to do that. And, and, and I went there in 2011. And um, I tried to prepare the best I could then. But uh, when I was out there, I got some really, really pain in my back and that was so awful <laughs> that I couldn't sleep. And, and I think it's important for people to know what that means to explore to the Greenland ice cap. How many yeah. kilometers are we talking about? And obviously we're well above the Arctic Circle. So what, what are some possible yeah. temperatures? Yeah, we are talking about uh, 660 kilometers uh, in 24 days. And uh, we are talking about an ice cap that are uh, the snow on the top of the ice cap have melted a little bit. So we are really going up and down a lot. And it's really, really hard work to pull a sledge there. And you are skiing and, and the weather conditions were from, yeah, minus eight, 10 to minus 30. And that's Celsius. That's Celsius. That's yes. so. That's for us of us, for those of us who go with Fahrenheit. I can't quickly translate that, but I can tell you in simple terms, that's really cold. It is cold. Yeah. <laughs> so, so at some point in this trip, you hurt your back and you weren't able to sleep. Yeah, I, I got um, infection in one of my muscles, the main muscle in my back, uh, and. Um, I couldn't sleep. So my friend had uh, five 
uh, strong painkillers <laughs> that I got from her so I could sleep every third night. Mm. So I had two nights in between that I didn't sleep. And that was my strategy to, to be able to, to yeah, do the 24 days trip, sleep every third night and I could go uh, get through. So I was kind of exhausted when I got on the other side. <laughs> I can see why. Yeah. And um, <laughs> yeah, I think that is quite funny because most people, I guess, would have said that they should never put a feet on uh, the ice again. And my first thought when I was finished what was that I can do this better. I want to go to the South Pole. So there I decided that I want to go home and um, learn all the things I have to learn, get all the right skills, and then go to the South Pole in the future. <laughs> and, and how old were you when you made this decision? How old I was? <laughs> what yes. kind of question is that? <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Well, let, me, let me put it this way. Were you, were you above 20 and below 80? years yeah. old okay yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> i was <laughs> okay oh no i, I uh, yeah how old was i uh, in in could i be in in 2011 oh whoa, whoa. i don't want to say that <laughs> okay you don't have to we'll, okay <laughs> we'll, we'll just say that uh, okay and and i'm not saying this hopefully in a in a hurtful way but let's just say that you weren't a a young 20 Olympian sponsored by the, the Norwegian Olympic committee to take this on. No. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'll, I'll tell you, okay. I'm 53 now. So you can find out yourself. Okay. Got it. <laughs> it this was in 2011. So there's two math <laughs> so. problems in on this podcast so far. There's converting Celsius to yeah. Fahrenheit and then there's converting age today to age a few years ago. Mm. yeah <laughs> so you made the decision to go to the south pole which now, now i'm trying to think of a decision that i would make after an adventure like that and it might be um to go get a hamburger after succeeding and and then maybe um, start uh, water skiing or who knows what but you made the decision to go to the south pole yeah i wanted to go along on a longer trip, a harder trip and a colder trip. So yeah, that's the way my head is working. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's not normal. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a there's a saying that I brought to Norway. I don't know if you remember it from when we spent our time together as river guides, but um, it's actually an American saying that a friend taught me. And so I translated it into Norwegian and I would say it every once in a while when somebody was wondering what I was thinking and why I could possibly imagine that to be a good idea. And the saying is ingen yarne, ingen hudepina. And I know I'm not saying that right, but it no. basically means no brains, no headaches. So yeah. uh, some, sometimes people would look at me when I had a crazy idea and I'd just tell them no brains, no headaches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. It feels like that sometimes. Uh -huh. <laughs> so you wanted to go longer, farther, yeah. Cold. I want, yeah, that was what I decided to do. And uh, I didn't tell anyone about it because um, 
It, it was kind of my, my dream and you don't tell your dreams to everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I was, yeah, I was taking courses. I was going on trips with people that were really good in and have good um, uh, skills for, for that kind of trips. And yeah, was trying to, to learn all the things I could from everybody. And after uh, um, a few trips, I had one trip uh, again to Greenland and that was very nice to get back there. And I also crossed uh, Patagonia, uh, the glacier, third largest great, uh, glacier in uh, Patagonia, Chile. Mm-hmm. And it's only a few people that have done that, actually. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> so, and this was, was that also a, a few weeks to do that and changes yeah. of elevation and cold, cold yeah. weather? Yeah, that was also like three week, three, four week. And, and just so I'm clear on this and so our readers can, our, our viewers can understand, our listeners can understand as well. You're, you're, you're pulling a, a sled behind you, kind of like a, specialized dog sled but for skiing in arctic conditions and this sled has your food your water i'm assuming some water your sleeping and camping gear am i correct in that uh no water because when we are on the ice we have we bring a small stove Mm. and we melt ice so we bring fuel enough fuel to to melt ice for the whole day Hmm. so that is the only thing we can get out of that (laughs) place where we are yeah so we don't have to bring that so so we have lots of dry food that we can mix with the water and how much does this weigh when it's fully loaded uh depends on what kind of trip you are on um the smaller trip like in um uh, Greenland and Patagonia, we had about, I guess, uh, 50, 60 kilo, some 60 kilo maybe. So that's 130 pounds that you're pulling. But that you're no, pulling. we have the third one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, another math problem. <laughs> yeah. So you know what? I might, I might have my kids listen to this podcast and have to do the math instead of doing their homework. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's a, that's 130 pounds, and you're pulling that behind you while you're skiing across rugged ice and snow-covered terrain. Yeah, and when I got to the South Pole, uh, it was much much heavier than we are talking about. Yeah, 140 kilo maybe. Oh my gosh. So, so you made that, it over, you made it over Greenland, you made it again, you made it over yeah. Patagonia. And yeah. these are all training trips for yeah. the big, big adventure. Yeah. The, the, the last one in Patagonia was kind of, for me, it was like, I, I was trying to find out where am I <laughs> at the moment in, in skills? Uh, am I good enough? Am I starting to get good enough? Can I handle all different kind of situations. So that was kind of a test for me to see if I was good enough to, to, yeah, still dream on that <laughs> Antarctica trip and see what, yeah, where, where I was. If I had to work on something else, um, especially in the future. 
And, and did, was there a mentor that, that said, this is something that we, I believe you can do. And here's the things that are important to focus on to make sure that you're ready for this kind of adventure. Uh, in Patagonia, it was only said that, yeah, you're going to ride uh, so for two, a couple of days. You're going to climb in the mountain. You're going to climb in the ice. You're going to pull a sledge and, and then climb out of the ice again, climb into the mountain and then walk through the rainforest. Mm. So I just knew that I had to, to be able to do all that, all those kind of things. And how many people were with you? We were four together. And then was there somebody who, who helped you learn more about going to the South Pole and said, I think you can do this? Yeah, and um, uh, la- later I, I got on another trip uh, in, um, to Spitsbergen with Berge Ausland. That is, um, he was the, yeah. He was. He is the greatest explorer, I think. <laughs> and say so, his say his name again. Borge Ausland. Okay. Borge Ausland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's well known in the explorer um, world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he, um, uh, I went on a trip with him and learned a lot. And on the way home, he asked me if I was um, if I had a dream. Uh, and what my dream, big, big dream was. Mm. And it's kind of crazy because you, you, you don't want to talk about your dreams if you mean, if it's serious. <laughs> you, you can say, oh, I'm dreaming on going on holiday here and there. And yeah. But if you really, really want to do something, you keep it to yourself. And, and um, he was asking me what my big dream was. And, and I said to him, I, that it is to go to the South Pole on a long, long trip. And I added, it has to be more than 50 days. That's what I want. Uh, but I also said immediately that I'm, I'm not good enough. And I was thinking about that after because that is the same as my patient said. I'm, I'm not good enough. I don't think I can... Um, I don't, I can't go for my dream. I will just keep it for myself and I'm not able to do it because you don't believe in yourself. But uh, Berge said to me that, oh yeah, I think you are good enough. And so which um, one of the routes do you want to go? Is there something you want to do? Uh, and I said, no, I, have, I haven't thought about that because I thought I had to to learn even more before I could go. So, so I haven't planned something exactly. And he said he wanted to go home and, and uh, yeah, think about it and call me again in a few days. And so he did. Um, and then he said to me that uh, I, um, I want you to go on Roald Amundsen's route to the South Pole because there is no woman that have made that yet. And I think you are the one that can make it. And that was really, really uh, <laughs> how, um, uh, how can I say this? It was really tough to, <laughs> to hear that. I was 
nearly falling off my chair. <laughs> and I, I was thinking, Goal Amundsen's route, you couldn't find anything less than that. Uh, that is the, um, the starting, the start of Antarctica's his, history. Um, the, um, um, it's a, the story about Scott and Amundsen and the race to the South Pole. And people are learning about that in school all over the world. Yeah. So, so I was, I was thinking, if I'm going to do that route, people will see me. Yeah. And for me, that was the worst thing at that moment <laughs> that I maybe would be seen. <laughs> wow. Um, but I, I also said that okay, if you believe in me and believe that I am that woman, uh, I will give it a try. And from that day off, I never looked back. I was 110% focused on that challenge. How long before you started it, actually went to the Antarctic, was this conversation? This was in 2014, and I went uh, in 2017. So, so years um, and years of additional training went yeah. into yeah. trying to make this expedition work. Yeah. And I, ha I have been training a lot, um, a lot before, because I always wanted to go on trips, um, like in Patagonia and other things. So I was kind of fit uh, to do that kind of things. Uh, I was strong in my body and uh, I have been pulling tires for yeah years. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that is what you do when you train for trips like that. You pull heavy tires behind you in a, in a uh, what do you call that? Um, yeah, you have it around your waist. Yeah, with a harness. A harness, yeah. yeah. So you pull that and train going out in on um, roads and yeah, work hard yeah. to be stronger. So, so I'm I'm picturing people at the gym on a treadmill, uh, and then there's you out in the woods, snow mud all conditions imaginable pulling big heavy tires for miles and miles several days a week yeah yeah i was before i went to the south pole i was actually pulling tires um yeah f uh, six or seven days a week and i was never under two and a half hour each time mm. so between two and a half and four hour every time and I also sometimes went to the gym a couple of days in, in during the week to do some work out there. So it was really, really many hours with training. Yeah. And I'm guessing that the training helped you somewhat mentally, but there's the physical training and then mm. there's the mental training. And you, you described how when you first had the conversation with your mentor that you completely doubted that you had what it took to make that happen, to make it to the South pole. But over yeah. this same 
two or three year period, you're physically getting obviously remarkably strong. And what's going on in your head at this point? Yeah, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, kind of crazy because um, when you start on a project like that, it's it's so big and there's so many, um, what do you say, elements mm-hmm. into it. It's it's like you have the safety, you have the economy, you have social media, you have to give speeches, you have to uh, do the sponsor work, you have to look at nutrition, what about the weather, uh, uh, all the clothing and equipment, yeah, all that kind of thing. You have to go dig deep into every, every detail about all that. Uh, and I was not on Facebook uh, when I started, I had no idea about social media or anything like that. I was not interested at all. But I have, I, I had to to learn all the all the things and find ways and find the best ways and everything. And it's kind of crazy because when it comes to clothing, for example, if there's a small piece of plastic in your zipper, for example. You have to change it. You can't use it because it can break in the cold. Because now we are talking cold down to to minus 40, uh, 40 degree. And when you had the wind, we had um, a, like um, effective um, minus in down to 70. Well, and, and, I'm not sure about the math here, but I'm pretty sure that's like minus 150 degrees Fahrenheit. It's definitely well, well below minus 100 degrees. And so what you're saying is if there's anything wrong with your equipment, whether mm-hmm. it's a zipper on a jacket or a zipper on a sleeping bag or a tent, a hole in some piece of fabric, it, it, could, it could kill you. Yeah, it can. You can just imagine if your zipper is breaking on your jacket when it's that cold mm. and you will get the wind straight into your body. It will kill you immediately. It was so cold some of the days that you can't, you can't just stop and stand there. You have to move all the time. So you have to, to, to jump, for example, <laughs> to keep yourself warm. And you can't go to, go to the toilet and drink on the same break. You have to go to the toilet and then move again and, and run to get warm again. And then you can stop and have two minutes of drinking. And then you have to run again to, to keep yourself warm. Mm. So, um, but not all the days were like that, but it was like that in between. And that is what you have to be prepared on. So this some of these things in there. So, so, so yeah. this preparation, whether it's travel expenses or the best clothing possible, obviously the physical side is still there. There's like you described earlier, there's all different types, all different elements that you yeah. have to address. What, yeah. what was the hardest element? What was the hardest thing for you to do in this, in this two years or so working up to the actual event? Uh, it was, to ask people about money mm. to help me, yeah. It's uh, when when you're close to fifty, Matt again. <laughs> <laughs> when you're close to fifty and you're a nurse, uh, 
yeah, you're a, a woman that people don't know anything about and you have a dream and that is to go to the South Pole and you have a budget on uh, as about 6 million Norwegian kroner. That is about, yeah, between, I guess, six and seven hundred dollar. Six and seven hundred thousand dollars. Thousand dollar, yes, yes. So, um, and that's really a lot. And you're comparing with young athletes and people that are well known and out in the media, and yeah, you can see them in advertising and everything. And I, I, yeah, I had to find that kind of money without being known at all. <laughs> so, so that was really, really tough. Did it, did it take people seeing that this was a dream, not just in your head, but that was all consuming for you to recognize that you, you deserve to be supported? What was a breakthrough moment on this? Um, I think uh, I'm not sure uh, really why they sponsored me, but I think <laughs> as one of or he the man that become my my main sponsor, he said to me when I was there at my first meeting, he said, "Astrid, do you know how much a million uh, Norwegian kroner is, and how it uh, how you can how much you have to work to get that?" And I said, no, I'm sorry, I don't know. I have no no idea because I'm a nurse and I have never had a million or ever. Uh, I will never get that either by working as a nurse. So so I have no chance to know that. And I think maybe he felt so sorry for me that, that he wanted to to give me or kind of sorry maybe, but also is he for real? Does he really think that this is possible and I want to give her some money to see if it's really, if it is possible, because if it is, it's cool. <laughs> did, 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 so, did he and other people see it in your eyes? Did, um, there, you had to have, you had to have um, created some belief for people to be writing you a check. And so yeah. did they just feel it from that? It was in your heart, your soul. Yeah, I, I think they, they understood because it was, for me, it, it was everything. It was all what my life was about at that moment. And I, I really put my soul into all the things I did. And, and for me, it was also important to, uh, to bring the gift that I have been given uh, for my patient to live while you're alive uh, and spread that to other people. I wanted um, uh, many more people to be affected about that. So that was also one of the things that I was, that was uh, a part of my project or became a part of my project. I wanted to, yeah, give that to other people too. So in, in essence, you, you knew the importance of what this patient had shared with you long ago and you wanted for other people to, to see you doing it in order for them to possibly do it for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, you, I'm guessing that you became um, 
a little bit more well-known at this point because you're on a mission, you're raising funds, you're getting some sponsorships. And at yeah. this point, are people beginning to get to know you in Norway? Yeah, they are. I get um, some interviews in magazines, on television, things like that. And yeah, things are um, happening around me. And people want to, to support me. Many people say that they don't want, they can't support me so much, but they want to support me a little bit. And, and that also, also was uh, <laughs> a kind of, it, it's, it's difficult because when, when you should raise so much money, you think it's, it's easy if I can find a million here and a million there. And then you need six of them. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't sound so much. But if you find a million here and a million there, you still have four left to find. And then you find maybe only 100,000 kroner instead of 1 million. And then you need 900 more. So, so you, it's a puzzle yeah. <laughs> to, to find all uh, that needed to be, um, to be there so we could go. And um, so I also started to, to um, to make my own uh, crowdfunding. Mm -hmm. uh, I asked ask people to, to join me and uh, asked if they would wanted to buy a small piece on my sledge mm. and they could send me their picture and I could uh, stick that to my sledge. Mm. So I made a big film with all the pictures on my sledge. And How that is so cool. Because how, how many pictures did you end up putting on your sled? Um, between four and five hundred. Wow. Yeah, and my sledge is uh, two two point two meter long, mm. so it's it's really big. So it it was filled with uh, pictures, faces that was looking on me, <laughs> all the way to the South Pole. Did, did that that's a very touching thing so basically what you were doing was taking your supporters with you showing them that they were a part of your dream yeah um, and did, did that put pressure on you to to make it or did you have enough pressure coming from within to say i'm going to do this um i think both because um i I wanted to give them something back. So for me, it was not an option at all to not reach the South Pole. If I had to walk on my knees the last part and pull my assistant, I would have done that just to reach it. And because I had so many people that were, were believing in me. And all the people that were on the sledge, I also challenged challenge uh, them to, to um, go for their own dream and do something about it. So, so um, I, I kind of gave them <laughs> that at the same time and they gave me something back and they were um, the people that were cheering on me all the way. So if I had a hard day and it was really cold and I was just looking at my sledge and I, I knew, ah, you're cheering on me. I'll go. I'll go. You're with me. I'll go. <laughs> so, 
That's, so. a, that's amazing. And that's such a great story. And um, I'm assuming that what happened from that was out of those several hundred people, they said, if Austin can do this, if yeah. she can live her dream, then I can live mine. And, and I'm, yeah. I'm guessing that you've heard stories that 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 happened. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've heard lots of stories about um, the people working for something that they have been dreaming about for a long time and that they, yeah, didn't want to do because they didn't believe in, in themselves mm -hmm. and all that again. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, like we do. So, so it was a push for them too, to, to go and do it. So this, this podcast is called Good Change, and it's about people who help create good change. When you were off your first uh, ice cap adventure expedition on Greenland, and you said, I want to go to the South Pole, my guess is that you didn't ever consider the fact that you would be a good change maker, which is what you were with the South Pole trip when you invited people to come along on the trip with you mm -hmm. and for them to live their dreams. So that I, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that that is a absolutely rewarding thing for you to have, have mm -hmm. realized that kind of impact. Yeah, it is. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's strange to think uh, back on all those things that have been happened the last mm -hmm. years <laughs> for, from being a woman that, uh, uh, yeah, you have a kind of engine. You want to do things all the time, uh, and I, I, I'm not like, and uh, how can I say this in English? Hmm. <laughs> um, I, I always want to learn um, new things, get new skills. I always want to develop. That is some of my strength strengths, mm -hmm. uh, and that this conversation with my patient should touch that my my strengths that much so i did all these kind of things that i've done after it's yeah. kind of crazy so you you've raised the money you've got four or five hundred pictures of people on your sled you're landing wherever you land when you have, go to climb across the south pole uh, day one, uh, you, you're, you're, you're off, you know, you're there, you're ready to do this expedition. What's going through your mind at that point? Um, yeah, it wasn't that easy to get out there because there was a lot of delays. <laughs> um, in the beginning, I got 80 days to, to do the trip and then they took away 10 days because there were no one to, sh uh, to share the last flight out of Antarctica, the continent with. So I only got 70 days. And when we got into the continent Antarctica, we had a delay there too, because it's the weather that are deciding everything down yeah. there. All the things you, you want to do depends on the weather. And there was so bad weather that they couldn't fly me out to the place where I, uh, they should drop me off so I could start the trip. So I lost four more days. So I was kind of in a hurry when I got out there. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
so um, that also got an, an extra impact on the rest of the trip because I need to to go longer days and do more work every mm. day uh, to reach. So it was hard to start with, yeah. and now it's extra hard because you have a time limit. And yeah. and how many of you are there on this trip? Cillian, how, how many? many people on this trip? Uh, we are only two. Just two, and you yeah. and you've got a sled that is 140 kilos, so 300 yeah. pounds. Yeah. You've got to get going because the restrictions on time, mm. and you set off into the great unknown. Yeah, we we uh, had to. They had to to um, drop us off half on half the way on the route. So so I put down some of my equipment there, and then we had to ski sail to get out to the coast because they couldn't take me all the way out because they did not get an insurance for the plane to land uh, that close to the coast because the ice was not, was not safe uh, enough for the plane to land. So that meant that I had to go to ski sail uh, first half the route and then turn around and go back in again and go the route. So in order to have done the whole route, you had to do the route and a half you had to go or something yeah. like that, where you went, yeah. you had yeah. a drop of your equipment halfway yeah. up the trail yeah. and yeah. they couldn't fly you to the start. So you went out away from the South pole to start yeah. by turning around and going towards the South pole. Yeah. I was going to the, the coast first and then turn around and then back into the South pole. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a long trip. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about on the trail, um, heading towards the, the goal and, yeah. and, and what it was like. I mean, no, I, there, I doubt that there are very many people that have ever made it to the South pole. There's very few people, myself included that ever spent more than a day on a glacier. Um, give us a little bit of insight about the, the, the yeah. vibe, fear, the, you name it. Yeah, uh, the cold, the wind. Uh, you are on uh, Antarctica is a continent that are, are really dry, and it's um, you have the height there, and the cold, the wind that are really, really extreme. So you have to be prepared for that all the time, and you also have very um, the sun is very strong. So, so you you will easily get sunburned. So you don't uh, you you cannot have your skin exposed <laughs> out in the sun. You have to wear glasses all the time. Um, the re reflection from the sun when that hit the ground, the, the snow will get back and up. So you have to to um, uh, put something under your your nose. If not, you can get sunburned inside your nose. That is crazy. Wow. <laughs> and also if you're breathing with your mouth open, like would be a big chance for you to do when, when you pull a big sledge that you will open your mouth and breathe a lot so you can get sunburned inside. So you have to, to um, make sure that the sun not hit you there or, or from the ground. <laughs> 
it's so ironic that you're uh, on the, in the coldest place on earth yeah. and you're worried about the sun. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. <laughs> and um, yeah, we were working long days. Uh, we have, normally we have about um, from eight to 10 hours a day. We start with eight uh, so that the body can adjust into the, um, the cold and the way of working and all that kind of thing. So we, we don't push too hard in the beginning. We have to, to do it a bit slow there. So we make sure we, we can uh, last for a long time. And um, then we get up to 10 or, uh, hours a day, working hours. And we have, uh, we're walking for 50 minutes and then we have 10 minutes break. And on that 10 minutes, you should eat a little bit, drink a little bit, go to the toilet if you have to, adjust your clothes if you have to, all that kind of things. Every hour we have that. And you have to, you have to eat a lot. <laughs> so you have to eat every hour, eat and drink. Because uh, uh, when you're um, in the beginning of the trip, you don't burn so much, but the burning in your body, burning of calories in your body will, will uh, get higher and higher. And in the middle of the trip, we also have to walk up from uh, sea level up to uh, 2,900 meters. That's above. almost 10,000 feet. Yeah. And that is like uh, four and a half thousand meters in Himalaya. It's the same level. So you only have 70% oxygen left in the air that you're breathing. So you can, you have to act like you're in the height. It's, um, a, it's the same thing as, as high elevation yeah, it is. expeditions. Yeah, it is. So many people don't um, think about that when you're down there, that that can be a hard, hard part of the trip. Because um, you, you're, um, yeah, uh, all the conditions around you, the, the cold wind, you have to, to um, uh, be aware of that. Uh, you're breathing in cold air and you have to breathe like double to get in the same amount of oxygen. Mm. So you will get this cold air into your lung and that can cause infections and things like that. So you have to try to breathe through something and that makes it harder when you're walking. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So lots of, lots of things to and, think about. <laughs> and so you were, you were walking this route. You weren't skiing it. You were yeah, walking yeah, it. Ski. Yeah. You're skiing, but okay. you're, yeah. But you can't ski like sliding on skis. Yeah. You're walking on skis and you're walking on skis because uh, you have to get a good grip on your skis to, make uh, or pull the sledge and also you, you need long skis in case of um, um, crevasses yeah yeah that is um, yeah that can be be um, under the snow so you don't see them and if you have your your weight um, um, then on, on the skis I don't know how to say this. Centered on your skis, distributed out over your skis. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah, exactly. 
Thank you. <laughs> you betcha. Tusen talk, as they say in Norwegian. As we say. <laughs> or yes. or... Yeah. <laughs> was, was there a day where you said, I'm not going to make it? No, there was not. But there was, in the end, it was close to not make it. <laughs> but I... Um, Every night in the tent, I was um, looking at how far have we come, how much did we make today, and how much do we have to go every day now to make it. And it, I was calculating all the time to, to try to figure out, are we on schedule? What if we miss five kilometers one day? Is it still possible? Yeah, if we don't sleep that last night, it will be possible. So it was like that. And we got caught in a storm again uh, in the end of the trip. And we, we had just had to go in the storm. And that was really, really hard because the wind is against you. So it also push, pushed the sledge away from you. So you have to pull the sledge against the wind also. And when it's so cold in, in the ice and snow, it, it gets so dry. So the crystals in the snow are like sand. So, so uh, the sledge is not gliding on the snow <laughs> and oh my ice. Goodness. It's like pulling on something that, yeah. Like on a dirt on like a dirt trail. Um, you're, you're pulling yeah. a sled on a dirt trail. It, yeah. it, it sounds a lot like, except it's minus 40 degrees or minus 80 degrees. Uh, it sounds a lot like pulling tires on a dirt road outside of of Oslo, um, only yeah. you've got all these other issues that you're dealing with on top of it. You're not going to go home yeah. and have dinner and a, a, a no. heater and a warm shower. No, a warm shower was, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something you should not think about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Forget that. <laughs> was, was there, was there, a, um, was there a, something that you said to yourself time and again? Was there a, a a poem or a phrase or a verse? Was there something that you read that, that just gave you some strength besides obviously whatever was coming out of your own heart and soul? Yeah. Um, I, uh, I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. And um, when I started this whole project, I started to pray a prayer. Um, that is the prayer of Yabes. Um, and it's... Um, uh, it's a kind of bold, bold, is that what you say? Bold, bold. prayer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's tough. You're praying for a lot. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you really, yeah. Pray God to bless you a lot. Not only bless me, but bless me a lot. Give me much. <laughs> <laughs> and I was praying this through the whole project and mm. yeah. So I was thinking when I read it the first time, what if this is working? What if this prayer is working? Then everything will be possible. And it was. Wow. So on the, <laughs> on the last day or so, you're, you, hadn't, you couldn't sleep or you, you didn't have the ability to sleep because time was running out. And what's, what's the last just the last few minutes or the last couple of hours, like as, as you're getting closer and you're thinking, my gosh, 
this could actually happen? Yeah. Um, uh, the last meters when before I reached the South Pole, I was tired. I had uh, my, uh, what can I say? My, my emotions were going up and down or my feelings, everything were like chaos inside. And I was crying and I was walking and I was crying again. I was happy. I was sad. It was over. I was happy. I, I knew I would make it now. Mm. I was uh, uh, so thankful for all the people that have joined me. Uh, and I got this special picture in my head about my um, patient. The one that said you have to live while you're alive. Mm. And it was a picture of him sitting on his bed and he was clapping his hands. And he said, uh, you did it, you did it. And that was so strange to hear because it was not that you made, you made it, but you did it. And there's a difference. So I, 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 I am, as you're telling this, I have waves and waves of goosebumps on my skin. And I, I literally have tears in my eyes from you just telling the story. I, it must have been over the top emotional. And, and yeah. what, what do you mean by the difference between you did it and you made it? You did it. It's more important because if you don't make it, it doesn't matter what matter is that you do the things that you want to do it's not the goal um, <laughs> the goal is not to make it it is to do it mm. it's to try whatever it's to try to do it and um is it still emotional for you to, to think about it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. I don't often talk about it, but it is every time I talk about it, I can feel that. <laughs> yeah. And also what a gift to get from that man. Mm -hmm. I have been thinking many times, I wonder if he knew what he was saying. Mm -hmm. And what that's what it should lead to yeah. for so many people. And and um, my guess is he knows, and uh, is very very happy for you. And and then the remarkable thing in all of this to me is that he played such an instrumental role, a valuable role uh, in changing your life, and the ripple from that. It was a single ripple from him to you but now the ripple from you to hundreds of other people to a whole country um, mm. was all because of one man starting that process yeah and then one very determined fit a little bit crazy <laughs> baby woman yeah. he met the right nurse that day <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, Austin, that, that's, that's a remarkable story, and there's so many. Well, let's let's talk about briefly what you 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 hit the South Pole, and then uh, 
come home and and have a have a country that is just uh, or, or so grateful and thankful and proud and impressed yeah that's um there's a bit and when i come back home uh, i have to go to interviews on the televisions and things like that and magazines and all that kind of things again and uh, also all my sponsors want to have something back and i'm yeah so lots of lots of work to do when i get back and, so and i was really working a lot when i came back so um i was uh i was not able to kind of get tired before a long time after and it was when that hit me <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh yeah I, I really got some yeah um almost close to a depression in a way mm. like like you're so empty and you have been uh pulling so hard for so long and and pushing yeah in all directions <laughs> so so um it took a while to get out of that again and kind of be normal again and yeah so i'm doing much better now <laughs> for a year ago it's a it's a remarkable story and i'm guessing that that part of your climb out of the sadness the depression the emptiness was understanding the the taking the time to feel and understand the value that you brought to other people and the source of accomplishment and joy and pride that they are all now feeling as the result of following their dreams. Yeah. And also what lots of people did for me. So, so I, so I, I could make it and, and yeah, it's a change chain of, people yeah Yeah. in in this we are all in this (laughs) so you're a remarkable human being um i i I watched you from afar through your facebook um posts um i've i've often wondered what it takes for somebody to realize a dream that big and it sounds like it's being driven by your soul, by your heart, by your head, um, and of equal importance by a very, very powerful prayer that yeah. uh, you believe was helping carry you along. Yeah. I, 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 I'm beyond grateful to you for this time. Um, on, on just a deeply personal level that you've touched me. And I'm going to go tell my daughter right now that I'm going to go pick up from soccer practice about <laughs> this really, really cool woman that I knew from years ago who uh, changed the world. So I thank you. Thank you so much, Ken. Thank you so much. Our, our listeners will, I'm taking it, want to know um, how they can keep in touch with you either you know, by sending you an email or um, by following you on social media. So you have a Facebook page and um, I, I'm going to want to share that with our viewers or listeners rather with um, the link that we have for uh, this podcast. Um, yeah. So don't be surprised if you got a whole new set of fans from across the <laughs> ocean. 
That would be so nice. <laughs> awesome. I'm going to take good care of them too. Okay, right on. <laughs> Once a nurse, always a nurse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you, Astrid, very much. Um, we'll be in touch. Yeah, thank you, Ken. <laughs> With every show, we ask our guests to share a video of them doing something fun. One of their favorite songs, a few lines from a book they enjoyed, or a scene from a great movie. Something that matches their hopes, dreams, and good work. And then we give this to you. Because laughter and beauty soothes, heals, and changes us. You can find and unwrap this gift on any of our social media sites. Thank you for participating in this podcast. Until next time, keep an eye out for change, good change, and join our movement at kenstreeter.com.